0: So good, so good. Easter at Elam, that is next week, Friday, this Friday coming, Um, Good Friday at 10 a.m. You do not want to miss that. We have Sunday services as well, both our usual uh, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services. It is going to be awesome. But we're actually kicking off our Easter service this morning. But before we do that, can we please give our new guests another round of applause? Welcome them to our family. (laughs) So good. We love having you with us and joining with us this morning. Well. Talking of Easter, there are two pillars that all faith in Jesus rests on. There's Christmas, where Jesus was born, and there's Easter, where he died, was buried, and rose again. Each of these pillars tells us a story that forms the foundation of all that we believe. These events are either a ridiculous absurdity or the absolute truth about a loving God. So. There are three phases of Easter. Most of us know there's the tree, the tomb, and the triumph. The tree where he died, the tomb where he was buried, and the triumph where he rose again. The symbol of the cross, it's often used to represent Easter, but it has a far deeper meaning. So I want to present an idea to you today of the second tree. The first tree being we're um, back in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve they took the apples from the tree, the um, tree of life, and was it the tree of, tree of life? No, it was knowledge. Knowledge. There you go. You guys know. <laughs> Very good. But you know, apart from God and humans, trees are the most mentioned thing in the Bible. Animals as a group are mentioned less. For example, tree, the word tree is mentioned 293 times, fruit, 212, branch, 107, root, 57, forest, 51, vine, 72, and leaf, 19. So that's over 800 appearances and doesn't even include individual species mentioned like palm, oak, terabit, willow, olive, and so on. Speaking of palm, did you know today is Palm Sunday? That is so good where all the the leaves were going. (laughs) So trees and tree-related things are mentioned over 1,000 times, which is easily 10 times more than a typical novel. So I think we can gather that trees are pretty significant to God. In fact, it's a design pattern throughout the Bible and a theme where people meet God or are tested near trees. And we're even referred to trees several times as well. Well. I am a storyteller. If you've met me, I tell stories. I even got an award for it in um, retail once, so I think I'm pretty good at it. But um, you can ask the team as well who have to endure my stories every day at lunch as they sit and they're like, hey, how was your drive-in this morning? Now I could be like, well, thanks, and that would be the end of it. But there's no fun in that, right? So you have gotta tell this big lengthy story about how the kids did this and then you turned here and there was this thing happening on the way. It's way more fun, full of emotion, And we eventually get there. But Steve is like this too, my husband, he's like this as well. So when he tells a story, you wonder if there is a point, like if he's ever getting anywhere, and more likely you'll hear about John, Paul, Lawrence, all these people that you've never met before, but you're totally invested in their lives now. So where are you, my fellow storytellers? Who else tells stories? Yes. Right. You're my people. We might not ever get anywhere though. We'll be like, story, 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 story. All right, let me tell you a story then. All right. Three trees are on a mountain. They were dreaming of what they might like to be when they grew up. The first tree wanted to behold treasure and be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world, to be covered with gold and precious stones. The second tree admired the ocean and hoped to be the strongest ship in the world, carrying powerful kings and traveling mighty waters. The third tree had one simple dream, to be the tallest tree in the world, so that when people gazed upon it, they would raise their eyes to God. Years passed, the trees grew, and one day, the woodcutters came. The trees were excited and nervous, except the tree, of course, who wanted to just grow taller. The first tree who dreamed of beholding treasure was taken to the carpenter's workshop and crafted into a feed box for animals, not the gold or treasure it had dreamed of. The second tree was taken to a shipyard, stoked, right? But instead of becoming a mighty ship, it was sawed into a simple fishing boat. The third tree was still confused. It was taken to a lumber yard, fashioned into beams, and left on a wood pile. The tree was confused and hurt. It had only ever wanted to stay where it was planted and point to God. A long time passed, the dreams the trees once held, nearly forgotten, and hope seemed lost. Until one night, when a baby was placed in the feed box, and the first tree knew it was holding the greatest treasure in the world. And another evening, when a traveller and his friends boarded a simple fishing boat and a storm arose, the traveller who had been sleeping stretched out his hand and with one word stopped the storm. The tree suddenly knew it was carrying the king of heaven and earth. The third tree was still hanging out in the woodpile until one Friday morning, when it was yanked away, a soldier's hands was nailed to her as she flinched and was carried through a jeering crowd. The third tree felt ugly, harsh, and cruel. But on Sunday, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy, the tree knew that God's love had changed everything. Victory had been taken and it made the tree strong. Every time people thought of the tree, they would think of God and that was even better than being the tallest tree in the world. Matthew 27, 32 to 35 says this. They brought Jesus to Golgotha, which means skull hill. And there the soldiers offered him a mild painkiller, a drink of wine mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Then they crucified Jesus, nailing his hands and his feet to the cross. The soldiers divided his clothing among themselves by rolling dice to see who would win them. And the soldiers stood there to watch what would happen and to keep guard over him. Above his head, they placed a sign that read, This is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your sacrifice, for giving your one and only son to die for us so that we might experience that victory as well. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we can come here and we can hear about you and we can feel your love and experience you. And Lord, I pray that as we talk about you today, as we talk about Easter and what you did for us on that day, Father, I pray that it would be your words and not mine, that your heart would be their heart and you would um, not have one person leave this place without a touch of you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we are all on a journey to the cross. It's a journey of transformation that begins with a radical change in the direction of our lives. It leads to us spending time with him, listening to his teaching, and learning to hear his voice, just like we did in worship, apologizing for the mistakes we've made, and soaking in his forgiveness. The journey, it breaks down barriers between us as we welcome other brothers and sisters, the people sitting next to you on your left and right, into our family. We share our lives with others and open our eyes to the needs of those around us and being ready at all times to stand for what we believe in, no matter the cost. But you know the best part of this journey is that we are never alone. We have the people on the left and right of us, but we also have Jesus who walks with us every step of the way and holds our hand constantly even when we stumble and loving on us in every possible way no matter where you are this morning whether you are just starting the journey or you've been walking for a while there is more there's a plan and he can use you too even if it means spending a few years in the lumberyard to realize this isn't all there is God's plan for us is always for a better future Though we don't always see it up ahead, we see the wood pile around us and we feel the loss of the dream. His plan is for us to experience the freedom and victory that he paid the ultimate price for. The journey of freedom is a journey to your victory. That cross made from a tree gives us hope, forgiveness and salvation for all. Maybe in Jeremiah 29, 11 is where we find our hope. We have it written on the wall in our foyer as we exist to be a center of hope for you and for our community. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So, this is awesome, but what does it mean for us today? Firstly, it means hope for the future. We've all watched the game where the outcomes seem to be inevitable. Maybe you watched the game last night. I didn't, I don't do rugby or anything like that, but I heard the Chiefs won, so awesome, woo! (laughs) But one team is losing so badly, that obviously wasn't us, that it would take a miracle for them to win. But suddenly, the game changer happens. The play no one expected turns the tide and gives the losing team a renewed sense of hope. Maybe it was us. That one play in that one game doesn't just give us hope for that day. It changes our attitude toward every game after that. The next time our team is struggling to make a comeback, we recall that game-changing moment, and it reminds us that there's still hope. Jesus is our hope. The one play on the cross where all seemed lost, and it looked like the enemy had won, until a play no one expected turned the tide and changed it for eternity. There is a theme throughout the Bible, and in so many instances say that 10 times fast, in our lives where the situation looks like certain death, but God steps in and there is hope. Easter is our time to refresh our memories, to watch the replay of that game changer and renew our hope for the future. Did you know the only way to beat death is life? And that's our hope, life. And the best place to find life is in community. Um, Around here we call them small groups. Being part of a community and hearing others' testimonies fuels our hope when we see their trials and challenges and how God shifted them. There is freedom found when we come to face our own challenges and we're reminded of the story that seemed like the ending was set but the game changing moment arrived and it creates in us a fire for our own hope and breakthrough. Life isn't meant to be traveled alone. Finding that group of people who will encourage you and believe for your future is powerful and empowering. You'll find freedom from past thought patterns, past hurts and actions, and a community that stands with you as you walk closer to the cross. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But in this house, we speak life. We lift each other up, we believe for each other's breakthrough, and we let our hopes, not our hurts, shape our future. Secondly, it looks like freedom from past. Many people go through life like they're driving down the highway, looking in the rearview mirror. Did you know 2% of New Zealand's 8,000 accidents a year are because people are so focused on what is behind them that they end up crashing? I had to get my husband to like, work this out for me last night because I was like, what is 2% of 8,000? But it's 160. 160 cars crashed because they were watching in the rearview mirror, which is, it, that's amazing, a year. Because they haven't dealt with past hurts, disappointments, sins, they end up hurting others as well as themselves. But thankfully, God doesn't just send out the tow truck to, heal, to haul you in for repairs when your life seems like a wreck. Instead, he has made a way to set you so totally free from your past that no matter what has happened, you can live a life of peace, joy, while fulfilling his plans and purposes. Perhaps you felt like you will never be able to get free from your past. If so, you need to be reminded that God delights in doing things that no one else can do. Because here's the truth. Nothing is impossible for God. People generally act the way they do because of things that have happened to them in the past. Maybe someone somewhere has rejected you in such a way that it still hurts when you think about it. Maybe you bristle at the mention of a particular person's name. Maybe you were promised things by people who didn't fulfill those promises. These are just a few of the types of hurts that if not dealt with can still affect your life today. Sometimes it's not what someone else has done to us that causes us trouble, but what we've done to ourselves. Maybe you made the mistake of allowing drugs, alcohol, lust, overeating, or some other sin into your life. Maybe you've tried, and you haven't been able to get set free. The enemy knows your pressure points and how to push our buttons. He will keep coming back to our weakest points until we deal with the real issue of our past. But we don't need to take that. We know the playbook now, and spoiler alert, we win. (laughs) (laughs) To walk in freedom from your past, you can start by identifying where the problem began. You won't have to look far to recognize what needs to be dealt with. Whatever pain feels as real today as it did the moment that it happened, that needs to be taken to the cross. Whether your past was filled with pain and suffering, or there were just one or two issues that wounded you, God wants you today to be set free. Locate where your past holds you captive. Forgive those who hurt you. And if you need to apologize for your part in that, now is the time. And if you, can't, if you aren't able to do that in person, you can do that in your heart. And our pre-team after the service, every service, they're down the front here and they would love to stand with you. Thirdly, it looks like victory for today. In 2 Corinthians ten three to 5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Though we live in this world, we don't fight like them. In fact, if we fight like them with the weapons they use, we will fail in extraordinary fashion. But... If we choose to take up the armor of God and fight in the strength of who Jesus is, we will gain the victory. The battles that I face on a daily basis are spiritual battles. They can't be won in my strength. They can only be won in the strength of the Lord. Our mind is a battleground. The enemy is constantly trying to influence our thoughts and leads us astray. He loves nothing better than when we follow his lead, but it's a choice. Just as we have a choice to take every thought captive and align it with God's word. I find that it only takes believing one small little lie to change the course of my day. The frustration, anger, disappointment and feelings of unworthiness come as I believe even the little lies. But when I stand tall, when I take the time to capture every thought and align it with God's truth, then I experience a victorious day. I can tell you that I've gotten to the end of some days and thought, how do I let that little tiny little lie into, just like snowball into a ball of destruction, destroying everything in its path? The problem was I didn't take the time to immediately put it in its place. The Bible calls us to take every thought captive because even one small little lie can lead us in the opposite direction of what God has for us. Back in um, when I was doing internship, we do this awesome team building day every year. It's super fun. Um, Join the team just to do that. Anyway, we were playing um, an amazing race with cars and my ankle got run over. Um, And we were trying to get out of the car way too fast while it was moving. Don't do that. Anyway, um, I pulled a tendon thingy in the back over here and couldn't walk on it. Two weeks after that, I was running a 5K marathon. Now, when I say this, if Julie was here, she would be laughing at me because she still takes the mickey out of me, how I say it, 5K marathon, because it was the color run. <laughs> but it was fun, and I wanted to do it. <laughs> that was my victory. So we had block course the following week, and I went into block course on my crutches, and I was like, nope, I'm not accepting this, I'm not accepting this. The first night, Monday night, when even when the doctor said it's going to take six weeks to heal, I was like, but I'm running a race. And she's like, "No, nope, just cancel that. You won't be able to do that. It's like, no, I am going to do that. I'm going to do it. Anyway, so I got into block course on my crutches. We went into prayer night, and I was like, guys, fix this. I didn't take that I wasn't going to be able to do that. I was like, nah, I'm not taking that that takedown. My thought is that I am going to do this. It was healed that night. God healed my ankle, and it was awesome, and that was my victory. Two weeks later, I ran that 5k, and I got my shirt and my medal to prove it, but God's God doesn't want us to sit there in our misery. He wants us to experience the fullness of life. We serve a healer and we always believe for breakthrough and we believe for better. Did you know there's a plant called the resurrection fern? I recently got a little bit into houseplants. It gets its name because no matter how much this plant loses water, light, or nutrition, it has a remarkable way of never dying like other plants. This is my kind of plant. <laughs> it curls up and it appears dead, but with even the slightest amount of water, it uncurls its leaves and reopens fresh and green. In Jeremiah seventeen seven to 8 says this, but I will bless those who blessed me, oh sorry, I will bless those who trust me, the Lord. They will be like trees growing beside the stream, trees with roots that reach down to the water, with leaves that are always green. They bear fruit every year and are never worried about a lack of rain. I'm not sure about you, but I want to be that phone. not worrying about when my water will come, but placing my hope and my roots in the future that it will. Wherever you are on your journey this morning, maybe you're curled up wondering if water will ever come, watching the other green leaves around you and wondering if this is it, if freedom is possible for you. Maybe you're beginning to uncurl or you're a flourishing green leaf. There is hope for tomorrow. If you were the only person Jesus had to die for, he would do it again and again and again. Do you know, Jesus was never at a loss for words. But he didn't use a single one to speak up for himself to prevent what happened. He willingly endured for you and continued moving closer to the cross. And that's what he calls us to do every single day, is to take that next step closer to the cross. As we come to an end, I just want um, all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Or perhaps your life is far from him. I would love today to offer a simple invitation for you to pray a simple prayer and say yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to taking that step today to walk closer to the cross, that next step. The truth is that God loves you and he made you. He has a great plan for your life. We all sin and we all mess up and that sin separates us from God. But in his grace, he sent his only son to die for us. He took on Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He extends that to every single one of us, His grace and forgiveness for your past and a new life right now and a hope for your future. If that is you today, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, then I'd like to invite you to repeat a prayer silently in your heart after me. You can pray this, just repeat after me. God today, I surrender my life to you I know I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose from this day to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. While every eye it's closed and every head's still bowed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're coming back to God, this is your next step. You're saying, count me in. I'm walking that next step closer today. I'm gonna get you to do one thing. Just so I can acknowledge you, you can pop your hand up when I count to three. So when I get to three, all I want you to do is lift your hand so I can see it and then you can pop it right down. One, God loves you. Two, He's died for you, just for you. And three, this is your moment to take that next step right now. Say, yes, I am choosing my next step right now. You can pop your hand up. Awesome. Lord, I just thank you for. Every